Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here on the Neighborhood Watch. It is Friday, September 7th, 2023, and on today's show, a look at this weekend's action in the Big 12 with spreads, a massive week for the conference. We'll break that down. Also, our Saturday 7-7 games outside the Big 12 conference you need to know about this week. Before we do, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. We did not hit our goal of 12K before September, but we're on to the next one. We're like 25 away. So if you all have not subscribed yet to the channel, please do. We're trying to get to that 12,000 mark. Help us do it by subscribing today. Also, sign up for our CBS Sports Pick'em. We start this week. You guys can sign up after this week. But we are starting this week. So CBS Sports Pick'em for college football. We're picking all the Big 12 games against the spread. So you go there, CBS Sports Pick'em. The link will be below. Password is watch. I will also... Uh, it's called Neighborhood Watch 2023, but I'll put the password uh, below there too. It's just watch, W-A-T-C-H. It is lowercase. Uh, and I'll put, once again, the link below so you guys can join that. Follow us on X slash Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Uh, and then find us wherever you get your podcast. If you cannot watch on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment, all of those things. So uh, the Big 12 needs a good week this week, guys. I had some people hitting me up being like, the Big 12 still went 10-4 last week. It was not a good week for the Big 12, particularly three of the schools out of the hateful eight, the eight remaining Big 12 schools that will be in the league next year. Um, Texas Tech, Baylor, and TCU all lost last week, which is not good. Uh, obviously not positive for the league having those schools. Now, they could still win the Big 12 conference, but you don't want to start off losing games all three of those schools were favorites, right? Uh, Texas Tech was a 14-point favorite. Um, Baylor was a 27.5-point favorite. And then uh, Colorado, uh, TCU was a 21-point favorite, somewhere in that range, right? So all those schools, you know, massive favorites. All of them lost. West Virginia lost too, but they were they were dogs. So it's, it's actually not a big of a deal. But still, looking for a big rebound this week. So, uh, and, they, and they need that. And these games, I was talking with Robbie Triano yesterday, have become more interesting. Some of them have because of the situations around them for some of these schools now. Baylor and Texas Tech in particular because they play big games at home this week with big ranked opponents coming in. Uh, so I've, I've decided we'll take you through your Saturday. This is a staple of Josh Neighbors shows. What we do is we'll take you through your Saturday. We'll show you what your day should look like if you're viewing Big 12 games. Letting you all know now. Get your stuff done on Friday afternoon after work, 
or get it done on Saturday morning because there is a window in here, but also like there are games fast and furious basically all day long. So your Saturday part one also begins on Friday, Friday night, 630 on ESPN2. It's Illinois and Kansas. All of these also are central times. Uh, so Illinois and Kansas. Kansas is the three-point favorite. Got some good news today. Uh, Jalen Wilson will be Jalen Wilson. Jalen Daniels will be playing. Same school at least. Jalen Daniels will be playing. Jason Bean played last week. And so Jalen Daniels will be playing. Once again, Kansas, this is the time of year you want to play them. Uh, I really think this week they're going to put that big stress on the running game against Illinois. I think they'll be able to do so. I think the big emphasis for the Kansas Jayhawks, as it normally is, is controlling the pace of the game. While they've got some athletic players who can do a lot of things, uh, they like to go slower because they know that their advantage is, hey, clock running. You don't, you know, we might not be built for the long haul, but if we can control the game and make the most of our possessions, we like our chances at being able to beat opponents. And uh, last week, Toledo was able to show some things. Um, they had a quarterback last week rush for 75 yards and uh, also Daquan Finn from Toledo. Uh, so their defense did give it up a little bit in that category. Um, and, and if they can, you know, Devin Neal and if Jalen Daniels can get the job done in the backfield and mix things up, and we know Andy Kotelnicki is really, really good at, designing things, getting guys involved, getting guys into spaces and particularly putting Jalen Daniels in spaces to succeed. And, and really a lot of players, but Jalen Daniels, especially because of his abilities to improvise also, you know, kind of see things differently. Like you know, even if something goes sideways, he's able to keep it rolling. So those two things on top of each other really make me lean Kansas's direction. Now I do think this is going to be a close game. I almost feel like three is too many points. Uh, and we saw last year, you know, Kansas can play some weird scoring games, but I will take KU. I will lay the three. I don't feel good about it, but, you know, it's just a field goal. I do like Kansas's chance the, chances, though. But we, we, if we feel like KU is playing a standard Kansas game where the goal is to slow things down, then I think that, you know, uh, the game will most likely be close. All right, Saturday, 11 a.m. So there are two 11 a.m. games. Both have intrigue. One, much more interesting than the other. But this is why you can tell I was saying, if you have things to do, folks, get them done. It's 11 a.m. on ESPN. It's number 12, Utah, at number 8, Baylor. Eight-point favorites are the Utah Utes. It sounds like Cam Rising is going to be back. We know that uh, after last week, Blake Shapin will not be playing in this game. So, that gives me some pause, obviously, um, if you're thinking about taking Baylor. A lot is swirling around Baylor right now. I know folks are not happy. I know Mac Rhodes said it pretty plainly on 365 Sports, I believe, the other day. He said, no, what that result that we had against Texas State is unacceptable. Obviously, it's the first game, but he goes, if you were to use the word unacceptable, I would not tell you that you are wrong. And that's right, right? What what? Uh, uh, transpired against Texas State for Baylor was unacceptable. Now, Baylor has some serious weaknesses, and we saw Utah in certain spots was able to take advantage of uh, Florida's secondary last week. And you'd think that if they can take advantage of a Florida secondary 
that the very same thing could happen against Baylor. Baylor needs to make sure whoever is playing quarterback, once again, we think it's going to be Cam Rising, uh, and, you know, could always change during the game, but Cam Rising, make sure he is uncomfortable. Do the best they can to make sure that he is uncomfortable back there and try to put some pressure on. They need to set a tone early in this game, and I think they need to also set a tone on offense. I mean, I think the big thing last week from Florida was they were not converting in that Utah game. But the one other concern I have, too, about this is that Utah – you know, that's a big game for them. They had two big games right off the bat. They had a lot of time to prepare, though, for Baylor because they're getting the extra days off, right? They played Thursday night, so they get Friday off, get Saturday, and they get the full week off as well, too. Now, it's an early game, but still get that full week off. So plenty of time to prepare, obviously, to rest and then prepare for this road trip. Um, I am leaning pretty heavily Utah here, but I think that Baylor knows they need inspired performance, right? And the thing is, it's weird. It wasn't even like they were on the road and lost. They were at home last week, and they lost that game. So I felt like coming into this season, when we got to week two, either Baylor or Texas Tech was going to spring an upset as they both host uh, Pac-12 teams in the top 15 this week. I, I feel much worse about it being Baylor. I would feel better if Blake Shapin is there. We saw it with Graham Mertz last week. The opportunity to move the football is there against this Utah defense. And here is the thing. Uh, Blake Shapin looked really good at times in that game. Obviously, he goes down an injury. Same would have impacted the final result. But, I mean, you, know, you could argue it would have been closer there in the end if he had played. But still, I think that because that, and we're going to see Sawyer Robertson this week in this game, uh, you know, you do not feel as good about Baylor's opportunity because while he came in last week and had a couple moments where he was not terrible, uh, it was not it was not particularly impressive, right? He was six for twelve for one thirteen and an interception. Now he can scoot just a little bit, right? So that's part of it too. I also want to see will Baylor go back to one Richard Reese some more in this game. That was the success they had last year. It was just classic wide zone with Richard Reese, the games against like Oklahoma. Now they were able to spread it around and move it against West Virginia games like that too. But you know, they had that stretch of success last year where running the rock was their bread and butter. They beat tech as well. So let's see if they can get back to that. Some here I'm expecting their best effort, but the problem is it's like the team they're facing is not one of those teams where a lot of hype, you know, maybe shaky coach. It's incredibly well, well-prepared team with a very good coach that, has had some problems starting off seasons well, but they started off well last week. Let's see if they can do it on the road in week number two. So I'll take Utah. I'll lay the eight, but that's not one of those games I'm feeling incredibly strong about. I actually feel stronger about KU minus the three. Once again, if you guys want my bread truck picks, uh, we were 31-28-1 last year, so just above 500. This year, off to a good start. We're three and two on the season. I give you guys... My five best bets of the Big 12 each week. We do it on Saturday morning. Uh, and that's when your kind of lines are the, the worst, the most even. But we still give you winners at that point of the week. So Saturday morning, follow me on Twitter. If you want some Big 12 winners, my five favorite bets. And also I'll throw in some extras if I just like that much on the board. 11 AM FS1, Troy against number 15 K-State. 16 and a half point favorites are Kansas State. They were a hammer last week. K-State also had a team in Tulane come in and beat them last season. 
Uh, this is a different team, different quarterback, right? I mean, like those mostly the same team, obviously got beat last year, but, but the big thing was that um, our man, Adrian Martinez was still playing quarterback at the time. So now this is a team in, in Troy that has had some success. Uh, they've got a kid in Gunnar Watson, a quarterback who is now in his sixth season with Troy. He had a solid week to start things off last week through four touchdowns to just one interception, but they were playing Stephen F. Austin. They did give up 30 points in that game. Uh, they ran the ball pretty effectively too. So this is a Troy team that last year, uh, you remember their defense was actually pretty good. One of the reasons why they were so effective last season on their way to a 12 and two season was the fact that their defense was fantastic. That might not be the case this season. We'll have to see. Uh, but K-State needs to come out firing and keep their foot on the gas because they've lost this kind of game before. So I think K-State knows that. I think K-State will spread this thing around, and I think they will end up beating Troy, and I think they'll do it handily. Uh, 2 o'clock on ESPN+, Plus, Utah, or Southern Utah, rather, at BYU. There's no spread for that game. 2.30 on the old Fox. It is Iowa at Iowa State. Folks, this one is fun for a variety of reasons. Number one, uh, this is a game where both these teams were involved in a gambling scandal in the off seasons, which just generally speaking, I find that to be a pretty fascinating fact. Also along those lines, um, you know, you know, we know got some more news last week about the players that wouldn't be involved, especially for Iowa state. We also got some news this week that those players took care of whatever was happening. They paid that $650 fine. I did not think any of them were going to be going to prison. So the good news is they're good. I don't think they're going to be coming back to play though. The NCAA is not leveled to punishment yet. We'll see what they do. I think that's going to be much, much more harsh. The NCAA will make examples of people, especially if somebody lobs it up to them. They don't like doing the work themselves, but if you give them a softball, they will knock it out of the park. They've proven that time and time again, although less so lately. Uh, also, Donald Trump is going to be at this game. The former president and current uh, Republican frontrunner for president. Obviously, the first primary is in Iowa. So I think it's actually a fun, interesting fact that Donald Trump will be at this game. People say, Josh, we'll leave politics out of it. It's just, it's just an interesting fact uh, that he's going to this game. And I, I you know, he's not going to do the debates, but he'll go to the game, which I think is pretty, like, pretty smart, to be honest. Um, and then I think they asked Kirk Ferentz about it. I think his quote was like, so will 60 other 60,000 other people. I asked any of your thoughts on Donald Trump being at the game. So, uh, Kirk Ferentz, you know, obviously being the diplomat and being the smart guy, right. You know, fan base has both parties in it. So I just want to play it down the middle. Uh, so that is interesting. Obviously it'll be, it'll be, you know, we'll see how they handle that. It is a Fox game. So I, I, I assume there'll be a little more coverage of that. Um, this, this one, I mean, is more interesting because of the total. So, Iowa State is a three and a half point dog at home. Matt Campbell last year, ironically, during a very poor season, got the monkey off his back that was Iowa in a very weird game, in a game where a 99 yard drive involved penalties and a lot of weirdness helped them win. Iowa last week, Cade McNamara, and, and also this thing's dropped a full point since I looked earlier today. I'm doing this on Thursday evening. 36 and a half now is your total. Rocco Becht against Cade McNamara. This is the defensive matchup for the ages. Net punting yards is a huge part of this game, and I'm not being facetious. Uh, also is mistakes on special teams, pinning each other inside of the five, you know, flipping, flipping field position. I mean, this is kind of old school football, and especially 
on the Iowa State side because they have lesser guys playing at this point in time. You know, you have to say like guys that they did not expect to be playing. You'd give Iowa the edge. But also, too, like that is, you know, kind of making Iowa make the mistakes is big. And also, Cade McNamara is dealing with a calf strain still. So he's dealing with that injury. And that that makes it a, a bit more uh, a bit more interesting. Uh, all right, let's see. SMU and Oklahoma, five o'clock on ESPN Plus. The Sooners are 15 and a half point favorites. This game is replacing the Sooners' previously scheduled contest they had against the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. So that is what this game represents. Uh, SMU had a really nice week last week, as did Oklahoma. So I think this game, this game is interesting from that perspective. You might just want to stay away because we've seen AAC teams come in before and really do good things against the Oklahoma. Right. We saw a team in Tulane press them a few years ago. Tulane has had some success at Big 12 venues. Uh, we'll see if SMU can do the same. Not too sure about how good their defense is going to be this season, but this is a AAC versus Big 12 matchup that next year will be an ACC against SEC matchup. If it, you know, I, I'm not sure if they're playing this one again, but um, 15 and a half, not a number I'm super comfortable with. Actually, didn't give a pick for Iowa State. I'll do Iowa minus three and a half. I feel pretty good about that just because I, you know, I know it's a road environment, but Iowa State just depleted and it feels like, you know, they're a bit more vulnerable because of being depleted so much. So uh, I'll go that direction. I'll take Oklahoma in this one just because I feel like they've got uh, two quarterbacks and, it, you know, it, if things don't go well for Dylan Gabriel at any point, they can just go back to the next guy. Jackson Arnold looks like he is the truth. Obviously, still just a young player, but it looks like he could be. So I think them pressing each other is going to make sure that there's a high level of QB play happening for Oklahoma. Then 5 o'clock on the ESPN+. Plus, It's DeQuesney, Duquesne at West Virginia. I think West Virginia should take care of that one. All right, your Saturday night. So if you're looking for the gap in the day, it's that 2.30 if you don't want to watch uh, Iowa State and Iowa, uh, if that's kind of something that does not float your fancy, if you will. But I would be back by 5.30 or 6 for the Saturday night slate because at 5 o'clock on the CW, the CW CFB debut, it is Cincinnati and Pitt. The Pitt Panthers are 7.5-point favorites. That spread is only seven and a half because it is an overreaction to how good Cincinnati looked last week. Now, do I think Pitt is not as good of a team as they have been in the past? Yes, I do not think this is a Pat Narduzzi team that we are used to seeing. But with that being said, they return a lot in the offensive line. They return a lot at the wide receiver positions. The defense has got a, a, a mix, but you know a Pat Narduzzi group will always be a pretty decent defensive team, especially against a group like Cincinnati where they've mismatched, you know, mixed and matched on the offensive line. And also at quarterback, I know Emory Jones had seven total touchdowns last week, but that was Eastern Kentucky. So that's a much more inferior opponent. All right, seven and a half's a lot. There's a good chance this game could be close, but I will take the Pitt Panthers. This could be a uh, money line. If you're looking to do a parlay, this could be a candidate. Also, maybe a tease candidate as well you feel pretty good about Pitt winning a game and you want to tease some other stuff in different directions, you could go there. Uh, if you guys want a late-night teaser, I'll have one here for you in a second. Maybe if you want to tease some stuff from these other games. Hey, I wouldn't, you know, a six-and-a-half-point tease with KU, making that plus three-and-a-half for them. Maybe you chuck in K-State, get them to minus 10, and then you toss in a, uh, a pit to make that a 
uh, you know, one and a half or one point spread, that might be something that's worth your while. Three team tees there get you involved. One, uh, two Big Twelve teams, and then an ACC team for you. Uh, so that game is interesting. I'll, I'll take Pitt in that one, but I think it's a game that I'll definitely have tabs on because I want to see even if that was a you know last week was a fluke. How much of last week can they build off of and take? And it could build some potentially uh, productive false confidence in some ways. You know, sometimes that false sense of confidence can be what you want to see, right? Can help you in some ways. Oh, we got some news. Oh, well, uh, Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, Asa Hutchinson, and Vivek Ramaswamy all plan to attend the Iowa State-Iowa game. Tire Field's showing up for this one. Uh, 6 p.m. on ESPN. It's number 11, Texas, at number 3, Alabama. The Tide are seven-point favorites in this game. I've seen it as high as 7.5. If you can get that extra hook, I would take that. Guys, I'm, I'm pretty close to thinking that Texas is going to win this game. Here is why. This game was close last year. Sark is actually pretty good like in big game, you know, big game situations. Think about the big games they played in last year. They faltered against TCU, but the Alabama game they did show up. The, uh, the game against Oklahoma, they blew the doors off, right? So they do know what they're doing in some of those big game settings. Alabama obviously has not lost at home in a non-conference game since ULM game. I forgot what year that was, but it's, it's a while, uh, you know, in the Nick Saban uh, era. So I, I would get that. But, it, you know, what Jalen Milrow did last week against Middle Tennessee State, do we know for sure that's who they actually are? I know folks were a little hesitant about what happened last week with Texas and Rice, but here's the thing. They across the board like Texas feels like they have a more balanced team and their offense it might just have a you know I think they have a better receiving core right I mean I know Jacory Brooks and Jermaine Burton are, are you know pretty good players and that's a good receiving core but I feel like the quarterback might limit them just a little bit you know we have to see once again this week how that looks and I feel like Texas when you have Worthy and Nayor and the veterans uh, you know veteran Whittington obviously is there as well. And you have a JT Sanders, who's a matchup nightmare for them at tight end. Big thing is, can that Texas offensive line hold up? If they hold up, they give Quinn Ewers time. I like Texas chances to make some things happen. They have to figure some stuff out in the running game, but if they can hit some explosive plays, because they have explosive wide receivers, they've got a chance. I don't think this is going to be about Texas just sustaining drives all day long. Can they continually hit explosive plays or can they sustain drives because Alabama's defense is all over the field trying to cover these guys? So, uh, you know, I, I don't know what this game will look like exactly, but I, I'm leaning towards Texas winning it, at least covering, though. If you can get that at seven and the hook, I would go in that direction. I think it's a close game. I think it's an exciting game, but I actually trust the Texas quarterback more in a game that I feel is pretty even. And if this game, guys, it was in Austin, I mean, you know, this offseason, I didn't feel great about this game. But now thinking about Alabama and the issues they've had on the offensive line, which, hey, they might have shored up a little bit, but. Still, they only returned two guys off an offensive line that was not very good last year, tried to make some changes. But Bryce Young did cover up for a lot of what happened. And, uh, you know, he made a great play against them in the end, a low-scoring game. It wasn't like he was excellent all day long. Their offensive line was not excellent all day long. So will Texas rise to the occasion in this game? I think there's a good chance they will to at least cover a seven-and-a-half-point spread. 6 p.m. on Fox, it is Oregon and Texas Tech. Texas Tech, six-and-a-half-point dogs. This is the other game that I mentioned. Uh, but you know, and, and I know Texas Tech has been bad on the road. 
but they have been very, very good at home this season. Or excuse me, this season. Under Joe McGuire so far, they've been a very good home team, except for that Baylor game, right? The road is where they have struggled. So I think because of all the expectations, because of the quality that we saw at a Texas Tech to start the game last week, I think they know they've got something here. It's just about keeping it up and sustaining it for the four quarters. And I think, I think, uh, you know, here's the thing. Last year, Oregon State was able to run the ball. Like you could run the ball effectively against Oregon, right? That is something that you could do. You have to beat them up front, but you can run the ball against them. Texas Tech, not very good at running the football. But maybe they do take the tact of just trying to get some, you know, short completions, keep the clock moving. And maybe, I know they want to go fast, but I don't know if it's the best strategy. I don't know if that is against Oregon. It's just speed, 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 speed. Like they need to make the most of it. this game for them is not a great matchup because Oregon's got a high flying offense as well. So what Texas Tech needs to do is they need to be the ones that convert better and they're going to need to force some turnovers. They're going to need to make Bo Nix uncomfortable and they're going to need to make it force turnovers. Cause actually he's become a very good player when he's just back there by himself. He's, he's really developed. I know he's in the PAC 12 now as opposed to the sec, but it's hard to develop in the sec if you don't have everything elite around you. Right. And I know Bryce young is an exception because he's a special talent, but uh, you know, you need some elite stuff around you sometimes to succeed there. How many quarterbacks, once again, Bryce Young being an exception, how many quarterbacks in the SEC thrive when there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, not a whole lot happening in front of them and around them and whatnot. It's just very, very hard to do. So, um, you know, Bo Nix goes to Oregon. He's been fantastic. I think Joey McGuire is going to have his team ready. I think this team knows what happened the last time that they, uh, you know, they played. And, and I mentioned this on the show that I did on Thursday with Robbie, that they need to make sure whatever happens here, this result, like a second loss would hurt. They'd be 0-2. They need to make sure that there's no kind of identity crisis for them about like, you know, can they need to make sure they find a winning formula or something they feel like is a winning formula or feel like they are working towards a winning formula because last week that first half was fantastic. Their drives got very short, which I know they are normally, but they had the ball for very short periods periods of time. And that ended up costing them. They did not have enough of the football and Wyoming got the ball and gained confidence. And that is ultimately what sunk Texas tech because they were not as good at responding. And they were ultimately responded once they got behind the eight ball, they did respond. They had to get behind the eight ball and it got into overtime and in overtime, it can be a crapshoot, right? When, when you're inside the 25 and you don't have to drive the ball down the field, it becomes a bit more of a crapshoot and they just lost out because uh, Wyoming converts the two-point conversion. Texas Tech did not previously to that. There you go. That's the end of that story. So I'm expecting an incredibly competitive effort from Texas Tech this week. But I think Oregon knows they've got the more talented team and Texas Tech does not have the momentum that we thought they would have. So maybe a little bit of confidence shaking. So uh, I want to see what they come out and look like, but this one's a stay away for me. Cause I, I really don't know what Texas tech is going to look like. I mean, if you want to put, you know, uh, if, if I were to pick Baylor or tech to win, I would pick tech. Uh, I think just the setting and actually the quality of like the team and like where they are, the headspace wise, they had a moment last week where it felt like, you know, they were, they were three scores in the road, right? They were, they were, they were, uh, you know, lapping them after a, a lightning delay, like they came out so focused and ready to play maintaining that though. Baylor did not have any of that last week. There was not enough positivity in Baylor's performance last week to, to make me feel like anything this week. 
Texas Tech did have that. Enough to beat Oregon? I don't think so, but they did have more of that. So if I were to go with an upset, Texas Tech is the one. UCF and Boise State on FS1. This one, this one gets me excited. So uh, UCF just beats the brakes off of uh, Kent State last week, which I'm not sure it shows me very much. Boise State gets hammered by Washington, but Washington might hammer a lot of teams if you can't cover them. And Michael Penix is a lot better of a passer than John Rice Plumley is. John Rice Plumley, a lot of people like him, man, but he is not a good intermediate passer. He kind of reminds me, he's like a better running Max Duggan, but Max Duggan is a junior. John Rice Plumley, I know he completed like 70, was 73% of his passes last week, but this is not a guy. I know he's newer-ish, the quarterback position, whatever you want to say. He just started as a wide receiver and it's a quarterback and he did a little bit of both, whatever. But like, you know, last year, 63% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions on the season. This is not a guy that is, you know, in my opinion, at least like he needs the running to go with the passing. This is not a guy you just want to sit back in the pocket and can tear up a defense the way a Michael Penix Jr. can. So because of that, I am leaning. Uh, it's actually uh, UCF's minus three and a half. I got that line incorrect on the on the board here. It's UCF minus three and a half. So I'll take Boise plus a three and a half at home. I know it didn't go well for them last week, but that's a tough game. If Boise or if UCF wins this one, guys, they are an excellent, excellent position to you know start off this run in the Big Twelve because then they have Villanova next week and then they go at K State. And they have a chance to, you know, end this month uh, three and one or even four and one. Uh, that Baylor game comes up on September 30th. And so they might have a chance to go four and one for them starting off in the league. Big step for this big road test in this game as they head to the Smurf turf. But I thought Boise last week, now I'm not sure we can take too much because, uh, you know, what, what UCF does well, mixing things up, the run in the pass. Uh, Washington is a pat. We know it's a pat. It's a team that's going to chuck the ball around some. That is their big strength. So I'm not sure if UCF can take advantage. If Gus, if the Gus bus does, great. But that's not also a team that's covered very well on the road. Uh, Boise is much better against the spread at home than UCF is. So, uh, you know, UCF is on the road, I should say. So I am leaning the way of the Broncos. Once again, that's UCF plus three or uh, minus three and a half. Six on NFL Network, Houston at Rice. Lay this nine and a half, please. I know Houston's offense was not tremendous. I know it wasn't great um, for them, you know, last week. Uh, and But I have I have confidence in them. I have confidence in them this week. And I don't think Rice is very good. Rice was competitive for a little bit, but Rice has not been a great program. And I know last year they were able to go to a bowl game at, at five and seven. They lost their last three games. And so also it's JT Daniels. And do we have a lot of faith uh, in a JT Daniels, right? I do not. So this Houston defense, I think, has a field day once again. I think they're motivated to play a Rice team. I think they're motivated to keep themselves moving. And I also think this is a good opportunity for the offense of Houston to get going and, and generate some momentum. So I'll take Houston minus nine and a half. I also think this is a great tease option. Now, if you were to chuck, if you were to give me a, uh, give me a Houston. Let's see, six and a half there will make that three. And a pit, six and a half makes that one. If you give me a Houston pit, uh, two team six and a half point tees, I'm feeling really good. If you want to chuck Kansas in there too, make that plus three and a half, you'll feel good too. But I, I feel very confident in a tease involving Houston. Nine and a half 
you can get that still right now. I would go and uh, tease that down or just take the nine and a half. You feel pretty good about that. So, yeah, we'll see, you know, we'll see who's taking the snaps at quarterback, maybe both guys, but Oklahoma state, man, like that last week, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Rangel came out. Bowman was in there. Gunny Gundy was in there. I would go with Bowman cause he's the oldest guy or, you know, the I guess, oldest guy. Yeah. Like that, that's where I would go if they're trying to make sure they win games. Um, you know, but, uh, look, I try, I trust Mike Gundy a lot. I will take Mike Gundy plus, uh, three points against Kenny Dillingham and hoping they figure this thing out. But man, I've got a lot of questions about this Oklahoma state team. And I think it's a good challenge. I actually think it's pretty equal footing. Like this is like one of those, um, big 12, uh, uh, who is it? big 12 sec challenge games in basketball where you really, really like the lineup or the matchup. Like it's just the perfect kind of mi- mixture of, oh, this team is in the same spot as this team. And this is a kind of a, a the right kind of matchup, right? Oklahoma State, you think should be a little bit better, but I'm not sure they actually are. So I think that makes it pretty fascinating. All right, that will do it uh, for this edition. The oh, wait, oh, one more thing. Saturday seven. Let's get these done. Seven games in the Big Twelve or out of the Big Twelve, rather. Most important. That is the Saturday seven. Eleven a.m. on ABC. Notre Dame, number ten in the country at NC State, seven and a half point favorites. NC State looked against eh, UConn, but UConn could be decent. So that one's uh, you know pretty big matchup to see how both those teams go. Sam Hartman, uh, potential Heisman candidate, going up against Brennan Armstrong. So we'll see there. 11 a.m. on Fox. It is Nebraska at number 22, Colorado. Colorado, number 22 in the country, as a three-point favorite against Nebraska, who clearly is not very good at offense. It's just a pretty funny situation to me. Uh, just all around. I find that to be funny. Uh, 2.30 on ESPN. Two, number 20, Ole Miss at number 24, Tulane. Seven and a half point dogs are the green wave. No folks really like Ole Miss in this game because, hey, he's got better athletes, but Michael Pratt and company have looked very strong. And so uh, I think, you know, some folks might be leaning, uh, at least me, I'm leaning Tulane's direction in this game with the points. 2.30 on ABC, AM, number 23 in the country at Miami. Four-point favorites are the Road Aggies. I'm taking AM. I'm laying the four. It'll be low scoring, that kind of contest, because we know Jimbo Fisher likes those. Uh, you know, both these coaches are pretty conservative, so I, I expect a low-scoring game, punting. Uh, you know, field position last year's game was very low-scoring as well. So I will go with AM. I think as long as our guy Bobby Petrino is calling plays, they will look pretty good. 6.30 on the ABC. Number 19, Wisconsin at uh, Wazoo. This is a game that Wazoo won outright. They are six-point dogs at home in this game. Kind of like Wazoo money line. if you can go and find that value for yourself. like them to do it again. Tanner Mordecai wasn't completely impressive in game number one, so I think that's something to track there. But Mordecai versus Cam Ward, two transfer QBs battling it out. And most of these games at this point are transfer QBs, right? I mean, Sam Hartman versus Brennan Armstrong. Uh, Jeff Sims against Shador Sanders. Uh, Jackson Dart versus Michael Pratt is not. Connor Wegman versus Tyler Van Dyke is not. But Mordecai versus Ward is one. And then Sam Jackson against Peyton Thorne at 930 on ESPN as Auburn goes to Cal. Six and a half point dogs are the Bears. I'll take Auburn just because they have a better squad. But hey, I really liked the way Justin Wilcox and his Cal Bears looked last week. 930 on Fox. Stanford getting 29 and a half at USC. I love Stanford in this game. Because I don't like that's st- uh, that that uh, USC defense, and I actually thought Ashton Daniels looked pretty decent. So even if they get smoked, I think they can cover the twenty nine and a half. Get the thing above thirty, definitely would take that as well. Saturday seven. That is your Friday edition 
of the Neighborhood Watch. It's a lot to get to on Fridays, guys, because we've got 14 teams in the league right now. We'll get even more next year, so we'll have to find a way to divide it up even more. But hopefully we gave you guys a pretty good previewing, a pretty good snapshot of this weekend in the Big 12. Follow us on X slash Twitter. I'm at Josh Neighbors underscore. The show is at uh, NWPod365. Find us wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Please subscribe. We're on our way to 25 or 12K. Help us get there today. All right, folks. Talk to you on Sunday.